All right. Well, if you've got a Bible, just go to the Psalm 30 for me, and we'll get there in a moment. Today, my word is entitled, Turn Around God. And um, man, you know, sometimes we preach messages that are really, they, they're training in righteousness, and um, sometimes we preach words that are from the heart of God. And I, I just want to say this morning, I feel like I have a word from the heart of God this morning. I feel like this word is so heavy on my heart this morning. If I do not preach this word, I feel like I might pop, all right? Um, and, and the reason is I, I feel, I'm saying this, this is, I feel like this is a prophetic word. This is going to be a word that is going to sustain some of you. This is going to be a defining word for you. In fact, in the next couple months, for some of you, you're going to look back at the sermon and realize this is where you were awakened to what God is about to was was doing is going to do in your life. Uh, we, I, I really feel like there's going to be a turnaround in our city. Uh, there, there is a turnaround happening in our city. There is a turnaround happening in our nation. There's a turnaround happening in our church. And for some of you, you are going to have a radical turnaround in your life in the next couple months. A radical shift, a radical change of something is going to happen in your life. And, and my goal this morning is to build your faith. My goal is to help you to see that the God that you believe in, that the God that you trust in is actually a turnaround God. That's what he is. That's who he is. And you know, if, if you can see something in God, you can access it for your life. If you can't see it, you can't get it. So that's why Jesus, you know, the first words Jesus said in, you know, who knows what the first words Jesus says in the Gospel of John are? The first words. What do you want? And that's significant. If it was any other gospel, maybe not that significant, you know, but John, you know, the timing and the revelation that that guy wrote with. Yeah, the very first words of Jesus in the gospel, John, are what do you want? In other words, you are entering into a dispensation, not of fatalism, but of faith, where what you can see and believe is what you can have in your life. Why did Jesus always ask people, what do you want me to do? I mean, it was obvious. They were blind. They were crippled. They were whatever in some sort of situation. But he would always ask, what do you want me to do? And the question is this. What do you see in me? Because whatever you can see in me is what you can access from me. So if you can see that Jesus is the Savior of the world, guess what? You can be saved. If you can see him as the one who takes away your sins, as the one who went to the cross on your behalf, as that, then you can be saved. If you can't see that, you go without salvation. Because there's only salvation in Christ alone. There's only one by which we can be saved. If you can see in him that he is your healer, that he is the God who heals, then you can access healing. If you don't believe that God heals, you go without. See, we're in a dispensation of faith, where faith matters. And faith is always linked to what you can see. If you can't see it, you can't believe it, you can't have it. And I'm not talking about seeing with your natural eyes, I'm talking about seeing with your spiritual eyes. So when you see what you see in Christ, that's why he asked his disciples, who do you say I am? That is probably the most important question you could ever consider in your life. Who do you say Jesus is? Who is he to you? Because what you can actually see in him is what you can experience and what you can walk in and what you can have in your life. And so I want you to see this morning that he's a turnaround God. In fact, man, and it's just so significant. We're preaching this on this day, and, and, and I just feel like we're tapping into just a word that's going out. There's a word that's going out from heaven over the city of Durban, over our nation. It's coming out over your lives, and I just want you to access it by faith this morning. I want you to see that he is a turnaround God. That he is the God who turns things around. Can we just, let's just pray before we go. Father, I pray that you would just give us eyes to see you this morning. I pray for ears to hear what you're saying to us this morning. I pray that we would have hearts to receive your word this morning. Lord, I believe that this is from you this morning. 
And I pray that there would be no hindrance, Father God, in any one of us. No doubt, no unbelief, no unbelieving heart, no, no obstacle, no demonic power, no nothing that will stop your word from being planted in every heart here this morning and bearing tremendous fruit in our lives. Lord, I commit myself to you this morning. I pray that, Lord, you would enable me to deliver this the way you actually want it to be delivered. In Jesus' name, amen. Who do you say he is? How many of you know what today is? What's today? The 16th of December, correct. What's significant about the 16th of December? The day of? Reconciliation, and we have a public holiday tomorrow. You know, it's amazing how most South Africans, we don't even know nowadays, like, what is the day of reconciliation? What is this, this day? Can I give you a little history tour of our nation? Because I think it's significant for the message this morning. So, like, 200 plus years ago, we had the Voortrekkers in South Africa. And they started at the Cape, and they started trekking out of the Cape and looking for new places to settle. And there was this group of Africana voortrekkers who arrived in KwaZulu, Natal, and they encountered the Zulu nation. And they went to go, they, they sent a band of a, a hundred men under Petritif's leadership to go and negotiate with Chief Dingan about land. Land is still an issue. <laughs> it was an issue that it still is now. So they went, they sent this party, and Dingan mis- misinterpreted their intentions. And he actually ambushed them and killed all of them, all 100 people. He then sent 10,000 plus foot soldiers to go and wipe out the remaining 470 foot trekkers that were camped by a river here in KwaZulu. And on the morning, of the 16th of December, 200 years ago, there was a battle, what we know as the Battle of Blood River, okay? The, the, a Battle of Blood River. And, 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 the, and the Zulu nation came around these four trekkers, and they attacked, and the four trekkers were able, with the help of gunpowder, to repel the entire Zulu army that was coming at them. And there was tremendous bloodshed that took place. In fact, that, the reason why we call it the Battle of Blood River is because the river was flowing with blood. That happened on the morning of the 16th of December, 200-something years ago. The Afrikaners who had that victory that day saw it as a sign from God that God had protected them. And they made a vow on that day that, Lord, if, if you protect us on this day, we will always remember this day and celebrate it as a holy day. And so it later became known as the day of the vow, all right, a day that they, they made that vow to God. And so if you fast forward like another hundred years forward in history, you get to a time when the, Afrikaner, the Afrikaners established a national government, an oppressive government, a racist, segregated government, and they start passing a whole lot of racist laws and human rights violations and and all of this. And they look back in history and they saw the 16th of December as a significant day for them. And so they made it a public holiday that on the 16th of December, they called it the day of the vow, that they would remember that moment that happened at Blood River because they saw it as a significant moment that God was forging them as a nation. And and so here you have a nation that has an oppressive government that is passing a whole lot of oppressive laws and rules, and, and, a lo- and they, they create this public holiday on the 16th of December called the Day of the Vow. Then, you know, obviously there's a whole bulk of our nation obviously doesn't agree with this. Like, why, you're cele- basically you're celebrating on this day the day that God gave you victory over black people, all right, uh, being white people. And so... They cho- so the, the, the South African Communist Party and many other parties, like in 1930, around there, they chose that day, the 16th of December, the day when the, this minority group were actually celebrating a public holiday and, and victory that God had given them as the day that they then started burning their past laws. 
On that day, they started burning pastures. Four years later, they organized mass protests around South Africa. On which day? On the 16th of December, you guess it. The next year in Bloemfontein, you had the All African Convention, which was held in Bloemfontein. And it was in protest to Herzog's laws, oppressive laws that were happening. And so the 16th of December became this like public holiday celebration for this group over here, but it became a contentious issue. It became a day of protest, a day of, of violence, a day of rebelling. It was like, if you're going to celebrate this day, well, we're going to mess it up for you because you're messing up our lives. So, so this, it became a day of division and discord in our nation. Fast forward a little bit further to 1961, the ANC decides that they have to um, that the peaceful ways are not working anymore. We need a military wing. They form Mkwanto with Seizwe, which is, means the spear of the nation. And they launch it on which day? 16th. Strategically, right? Strategically on the 16th of December, on the morning of 16th of September, Mkwanto with Seizwe announces a revival, it's, its arrival, and there's, there's bomb blasts all over the country. You know, they're sabotaging various forms of this oppressive government that's in power. So the 16th of December, the day today, all right, in our history has been a day of tremendous contention, tremendous violence, tremendous discord, tremendous disunity, all of that. And now we have in 1994 a, a government of national unity being established. And the government of national unity have a choice. What do we do with the 16th of December? Do we make it the day that we celebrate uh, when, when we burnt our past laws? Do we make it the day when we celebrate the forming of Mkwanto or Sizwe? Do we make it the day of the vow? No, we can't make it the day of the vow. All right, what, what do we do with this day that is so much discord and so much disunity and so much fighting and so much bloodshed on this day? They did something amazing. They decided to call it the day of reconciliation. That was your history lesson for the day. It's a significant day. I want you to know this is an important day for our nation and for who we are as a people. They chose, they could have ignored it and said, you know what, we're going to do a public holiday on any other day. But they chose to take the day that there was so much violence, so much protest, so much. And what did they do? They turned it around. And they made it a day of unity, a day we celebrate coming together, where we celebrate differences, where we have peace. It reminds me of that prayer by St. Francis of Assisi. How many of you know that prayer? It goes like this. Lord, make me an instrument of your... Can we read it together? Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is pardon... Where there is discord, unity. Where there is faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is light. Joy. What a wonderful prayer. St. Francis of Assisi, quite a strange saint. Very, very strange guy. But anyway, these words are powerful, okay? <laughs> um, this, this encapsulates the Christian life. This prayer encapsulates what the life that we should be living. Why? Because this is the God that we serve. This is the God who turns darkness into light. This is the God who takes despair and makes it hope. This is the God who turns our sadness into joy. This is the God who takes the, our, our, our doubts and turns it into faith, our injury and turns it into pardon. This is the God. We serve a turnaround God. And so this prayer is basically saying, Lord, make me like you. Make me an agent like you. And that's why I say our turnaround in this nation was inspired by God. This the turnaround in our nation was 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 God. I give God the credit for the turnaround in our nation, because this is the God that we serve, and 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 I and I think it's amazing that on this day we we now celebrate it as a day of reconciliation, a day where we put our differences aside and come together and serve each other in unity. They turned it around. They flipped it on its head. It was a day of hatred, injury, discord, doubt, despair, and it's now a day of peace, love, pardon, union, faith, hope, light, and joy. 
You know, we, if you had to rewind the, the South African clock to the 80s or the 70s, and you, you would find a number of people who would never believe that on this day we would be having a public holiday called the Day of Reconciliation. They wouldn't believe it. But you see, that's the thing about turnarounds. Not, we we, we kind of don't believe it until it happens. Hey. <laughs> well, I'm hoping this morning that you're going to have more faith for, for a turnaround in your life this morning. We've seen a lot of turnarounds in the world. We've seen nations turn around. We've seen the Berlin Wall coming down. That thing was built to last. And it came tumbling down. We've seen cities turn around. You know, one, one city that I was... At a, a couple of years ago, and it was just amazing to see is New York City, how that city turned around. You know, if you go back 20-something years, 20, almost 30 years ago, New York was one of the most unsafe cities in the world. Drag-infested, crime-infested, gangster-controlled, corrupt, dangerous cities on earth. You go there now, it's one of the safest, cleanest cities in the world in just 20, 30 years. You know, under leadership of Mayor Giuliani and, and many others and everything. But it, it literally, a city turned around in, in a life, in a, in a generation, in less than a generation, a whole city and the most populous city in the, in, in America. Turn, just turned around and we've witnessed that. We've seen nations turning around. We see cities turning around. We've seen businesses turn around. I mean, you know, you've, we've all heard of the success of Apple, you know. I mean, Apple, 20 years ago, was broke. They were about to close the doors. The company was nowhere. Their, their, their share price had plummeted. It was dead. It was gone. And now it's the most profitable company in the world. If you had to rewind the clock, many people were trying to sell their shares in Apple. Couldn't get rid of it quick enough. Those same people are kicking themselves now. <laughs> Because if they just had like 1% of that business now, they would be, you know, laughing all the way to the bank. But, but this is the thing. This is a turnaround. A radical turnaround from, from being like closing the doors to the most prosperous company in the entire world. I mean, guys, I want you to see that there's, there's turnarounds all around us. We're witnessing them. We're seeing them. We're celebrating a turnaround today. We're seeing companies turn around. You know, one, one, another company that I was, I was checking out is, um, is Marvel. How many of you like Avengers and Thor and come on, raise your hands. I want to feel like I'm with some friends this morning. <laughs> Love it, man. Captain America. Do you know that Marvel in 1999 was broke? They had a little bit of money in the, in the bank account. They had 250 employees. They were about to close their doors. Peter Cuneo, right, a CEO, came into the company and he turned it around. In, in, in a couple of years' time, he encouraged them to start their, their he changed corporate culture, he, he raised funds, he did a whole bunch of things. And, and Marvel, that was going to close its doors. He, he, he did a radical thing. He said, we're going to start our own in-house movie making thing, department. Okay? From there, they launched Iron Man 1. All right? If you go watch Iron Man not 1, it's like, what? You know? <laughs> Compared to Iron Man 3, you know? Iron Man 1. Then they came up with Hulk. And their profits increased. And then they, after Hulk, Captain America. After Captain America, Thor. Thor came Avengers. And, and then they sold to Walt Disney for, for 9 billion US dollars in 2009. In 10 years from broke to selling the business. Maybe it was 4 billion. Somewhere around there. I don't know. 4 billion US dollars. And that was a steal for Disney, actually. Because now it's just actually going even further and further. Marvel was about to close its doors. So why am I sharing this for you? Because I, I know some of you are looking at your life and your circumstances and thinking this is not going to change. Some of you are, are, are looking at where you're at right now and there's a lie of the enemy that comes and says that nothing will change. You know, actually, uh, you know, I, I'm amazed. You know, we, we've just had this whole city story. We played the video last week of, you know, we're going to see change in Durban. I went to the Facebook site, and, um, and there was a, a couple of posts there. And, and, you know, you get these, like, naysayers, you know. 
these people who are negative. Some, so they post the video online, and then there's a comment below that says, nothing will change. <laughs> yeah, we see that often, hey? But I, just, I was thinking, thinking of it in light of this message. I was thinking, you know what? Actually, that is the dumbest thing to say. That is a really stupid thing to say. Because all we actually see in this world is... <laughs> is radical change. So whenever you hear somebody saying, the city will not turn around, nothing will change, my life won't turn around, my circumstances will turn around, oh, that family, that nothing's going to change there, oh, my, my neighborhood, oh, we better move, nothing can change in this ever. you're actually saying something really dumb. Because what we see all around us is massive changes, massive turnarounds taking place. And so we have to, you have to see that there's actually, there's God all right, who comes, who's the turnaround God, and then there's the enemy who comes and he tries to get you to stay in a place of doubt and despair where you think nothing's going to change. And therefore you never activate your faith and therefore you never see what God actually can do in the circumstances. And I want to ask you this morning, which, which message are you living under? Are you living under change as possible? Are you living under the reality of a God who can turn anything around? My people, come on, think about this this morning. My peeps, look at the Gospels. How many lives turned around in the Gospels? People like Matthew, man, who was mafia, like a a gangster, man. He was like serious mafia guy. He was a bad guy hanging around bad people. Exceedingly wicked sinners were his buddies, all right? Tax collector, Jewish tax collector, traitor to the Jewish nation, apostle. Apostle to nations wrote the gospel of Matthew. Paul, breathing murder, killing Christians, dragging them out of worship services, putting them in chains, stoning them with stones, right? (laughs) Killing people to the apostle Paul. The, the, the apostle to nations church planter, the, the greatest defender of the Christian church who's writing letters to protect grace and, and the gospel of Jesus Christ. I mean, what a radical transformation. If you were there in those days, this person was like, now they're like this. This is, this is God. This is the God we serve. When we look at, we would look at Saul breathing murder and we would think this guy, nothing can change there. The best thing for this guy is the judgment of God. You know, the best thing we can do is say, Lord, call down fire from heaven. Consume this guy. He's killing us after all. You know, that that place where we, we look at circumstances as what they are, not what they can be. When God looks at this world, he sees what can be. And we need to see the world the way God sees it. We need to tap into his vision for our lives, for our city, for our families, and believe what he can do. Not by what is, listen, if it's in the natural, it's subject to change. Everything around you can change. That kid that's wayward can change. They can become an evangelist for Jesus. That business that you're struggling with and that you can't get profit out of, let me tell you something, it can change. Maybe it's an addiction or something that you bound in and you feel like I've tried and I can't get out of this and you just feel like it's not going to change. I want you to know that it can change. If companies can turn around, nations can turn around, people's lives can turn around, your circumstances can turn around. Now somebody this morning say it can turn around. Tell them it can turn around. What you're experiencing right now, you need to get this, is not a determination of, of your future. What you're experiencing right now. Don't get, don't get caught up in the lie of the enemy that says now is all you will have, ever have. Don't get caught up in that thing. It's a lie. He wants you to stay there. If anybody wants you to stay, he wants you to stay there. He wants you to stay in a place of defeat, a place of doubt, a place where you're not activating your faith. God wants to turn it around. He wants to turn your circumstances around. He's going to turn our city around. Somebody say amen. Amen. You know, there are so many examples in Scripture of God turning things around. In fact, fact, the whole Bible is actually a turnaround story. 
<laughs> that's, that's what it is. You know, the, the, the story of the Bible is this, is that mankind is on a hopeless journey, bound in sin, under the power of Satan. Nothing they can do to get themselves out of that situation. They're separated from God. They're without hope. They're without God in the world. That's the, the depressing, sad story of humanity. And what does God do? Turns it around. Turns it around. And that's why we sing Christmas carols. Because Christmas Day was a, it's a turnaround day. So it's the day the, the anointed one, Jesus, the turnaround king, <laughs> the turnaround captain. The, you know, some people have the turnaround anointing. The, the Nelson Mandela's, the Giuliani's, the, I don't know, who else? The Peter Coneos, some of our sports guys. You know, they, you have these guys, turnaround CEOs. They, they, they get... Their gift from where? From the gifted one. They get their anointing from the anointed one. If there is anything that you see in your life that you're good at or gifted at, let me tell you something where it comes from. (laughs) It comes from the one who carries it in full. He carries it in full. So, you, you know, we get excited about, you know, the turnaround anointing on somebody's life. They come into the soccer team, put them on at halftime, they turn the game around. We get excited by that. That's just a little glimpse of the glory in God. He is the turnaround king. Christmas Day was a turnaround day. It was the day the turnaround captain arrived and said, right, this game that you know right now, this situation that you're experiencing right now is all about to change. <laughs> I mean, think about it, all right? We, we sing Christmas carols. What's that one? Hark now here. The angels sing, a king was born today, and man shall live forevermore. Because? Because of a turnaround. Because we will live forever. That was actually pretty good. I'm going to... Well done, Wayne. <laughs> Sometimes it comes out. I don't know how it's going to come out. That wasn't too bad. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> Not too bad. Not too shabby, Nigel. So, <laughs> Man shall live forevermore because of Christmas Day. Christmas Day was the turnaround. Jesus turned law into grace. He turned judgment into mercy. He turned distance between God and man into intimacy with God. God in me, me in God. Emmanuel. I mean, there was such a gap. People had to go to a temple and only one person could go through the veil into the presence of God. Here we are all in the presence of God. That's a turnaround, people. You know, isn't it great that we're not sending Sam, you know, behind the stage door here with a rope tied to his legs with bells on him, hoping that he's going to come out alive from the presence of God. And all of us are like, yo, because he am. You know, we just, Sam, we hope you, you don't have anything on you, champ. You know, if you've got all those righteous thoughts going on, you know, they would meditate the entire night before they knew they had to go into that holy place. Just filling their minds just to make sure. Because, listen, you went in there with sin and we, the, the bells stopped moving. We'd know. Ish. Pull this guy. Next high priest. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Everyone's like, ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jesus turned it around. Religion into relationship. Death into life. This is our God. Are you seeing Him? Are you seeing it this morning? The turnaround God. Where are you going to work? And it's like it's depressing and it's dull and it's horrible and you hate it. You can turn it around. It doesn't have to, it doesn't have to stay like that. He could turn it around. You know, we can walk on the streets here and there's prostitution and there's like pollution and there's, and you can think this in your head. You can think this place. I need to go to the land of gold. <laughs> I, I, you know, the, the, there's nothing's going to change here. That's the enemy. Christians, how do we think? We say, Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is this, let me bring that. Where there is this, let me bring that. 
That's the Christian life. Listen, you know what? God has placed us here in Gravel, right in the middle of something. In the middle of something. Why? Because he wants change here, people. This is a strategic location. God is not interested in planting. No, he is planting everywhere, okay? He is interested. But he loves. He loves. He loves to go into places that are hopeless. He loves to go into places that are dirty. He loves to go to places that, where there's despair. He loves to choose the low-born, the insignificant, the neglected, the overlooked. He targets them. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 27, it says he deliberately chooses situations that look absolutely impossible. He, he scans the earth looking for them. Like you go to the mall looking for the perfect pair of shoes, ladies, or that handbag, or that perfect gift or something. God looks over the earth saying, where is the darkest, most dangerous, most satanic, demonic-filled, gangster crime, polluted area? Where's that? Ooh, there. There. Why? He loves to choose situations that are impossible for man to turn around. Why? So that no flesh can glory in his presence. So no flesh can glory in his presence. He led the Israelites, people, to the Red Sea. Why here? Jesus, there's, a, uh, there's an ocean, there's an army, like you've led us into an impossible dead end. Why did he actually lead them right there and then leave them there? Just let's see what happens. Let's see. You know, Egyptians are coming. People are starting to freak out. Egyptians are coming closer. People are really starting to freak out. And he's just watching. He loves to lead us to places that are impossible for us. Why? To show, how, to show his glory. The, the whole Bible is a glory story, people. It's a story of how God wants to show off his glory. Listen, this is not your story. <laughs> you're in the story you're part of the story but it's his story this, this world wasn't created for your glory you cannot handle it you know we see people who get a lot of glory they can't handle it man can't handle it we're not designed for it we're designed to give glory to the one who deserves glory and so God is going to be glorified and if your situation is that dark and that desperate and that hopeless I want you to know this morning that he likes it. That he likes it. That it's not impossible for him. <laughs> Some of you are looking at financial situations and it looks impossible. Where are you? Come on. Okay, any situation. Health. Marriage. You're looking at something impossible. You've tried. You can't figure it out. You'll be honest this morning enough to say, you know what, Jesus... This situation, this thing, I, I don't know. Come on. I, I've done my head in trying to solve it, Jesus. I don't know what, I, you know, I don't know what to do. <laughs> Look at these hands. Let's pray. Father, Father, I thank you that you are the turnaround God. That you're going to turn every single one of these situations around for your glory, for your fame, and for your name. And every single one of us make a commitment this morning. We've got our hands raised this morning. We make a commitment before you, Jesus, that we will give you the glory. That we will give you the honor. We will testify. We will tell people that you turned it around. We will make it a point of praise. We will, t- we will make it a place of, of, of where we tell, we make you famous through this thing, Jesus. We, we look to you the turnaround God. Amen. Can I still preach? Because I actually have a message. (laughs) This is all just coming out all over the place. (laughs) Um, How? Let's talk. I want to give you some turnaround tips this morning. Some turnaround tips. Let somebody and say, here comes a tip. All right. Turnaround tip. There, There are so many turnarounds in the Bible. I just want to give you something you can hold on to and walk out of this morning. I sent you to Psalm 30 here. Can you read verse 11 for me? It says, Come on, read it, read it, read it all together. You have. Oh, this is bad. Okay, we're going to start again. Three, two, one. You have. 
You have. David, David's life was a turnaround story. Fugitive, hunted, vagabond, living in caves to king over a united Israel. What a turnaround. What a turnaround. He gave God the glory for it. You have turned it around. Not my strength, not my smarts, not my wisdom, not my aim. You have turned my morning into dancing. I, I want you to mark today. Some of you are in mourning. Some of you are in struggle. I want you to mark this day, 16th of December. You're not going to forget it. God knew this message. I actually had a whole different message prepared for today, people. A whole different message that I was going to, because it was Dave Record City, so I was going to go down this whole different angle. In the last couple of days, God just said, no, this is, this is it. This is what I'm doing right now. This is it. So you need to, and it's so amazing that he, like, I didn't think of that. I didn't think that, oh, yeah, 16th December, this is a good, okay, let's do a turnaround message on this day. I want you to know that's God. I had another plan. So you're going to remember this day, because some of you are in this place. And a couple months from now, you're going to have dancing and you're going to have gladness. Amen. And I want you to say, you need to come here and you need to testify Amen. of the turnaround God. Amen? Amen? Can you agree to do that? Amen. You need to testify here Amen. and say, this is what God has done. Amen? So, turn around. Um, there's a scripture in Luke 15. It's the prodigal son. I want to give you some tips. The first tip I have for you this morning is you need to come to your senses. Luke 15, verse 17 to 20 says this. It says, when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare, and here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son and threw his arms around him and kissed him. I want you to notice in this passage of Scripture... When was the turning point for the son? It was when he came to his senses. And practically that meant this. He came, you've got to get this, he came to the realization that this was not his life. That he was born for more than what he was experiencing. That was what he came to. He realized this is not the life I was made for. Okay, he came to that realization. And he came to another realization that his father was merciful and would help him. Okay. Change starts when we come to the realization that what we're experiencing right now is not what we were made for. And I'm saying this because I think there's too many Christians who are happy with the pigsty. Oh, well, I don't, I, you know, I don't have that much, but, you know, it's a little bit more than that person. And so, you know, you know what I'm talking about? That, that kind of, that, that mindset of like, well, this is what I deserve. Listen, this guy, he, he knew. He knew he deserved to be there. <laughs> All right. But he still realized that he was born for more, that he is actually a son, and that he has a merciful father. And no matter how much he's messed up, his father will take him back, and his father will help him out of those circumstances. I think that there needs, I'm talking about a holy discontent for the way things are. I'm talking about like, I'm not going to settle for second best. I'm not going to settle for a dead-end job where I go every single day. Oh, well, it pays the bills. But you go there and you, your soul dies every day. And you, the problem is we, we, we're too comfortable with that. We just allow it. And we just go, well, it's just, it's, you know, other people don't have a job. <laughs> and, we, and we settle for, for this. I don't know, whatever this is in your life. 
Okay, you, you can just so easily settle there. This guy came to his senses and realized, I have a prophetic destiny. And I, I'm a son in a kingdom. I, I was born for more. I was raised for more. Dad has got more for me. There is a, there is, I can, I can have, I can go beyond this right now. Well, and then the world says, well, you, that's all your parents had, so that's all you can have. No, that that's a trap to keep you where you are. And I want to encourage you this morning, don't settle for second best. You know, he didn't settle anymore. He, he, something inside of him said, no, I was born for more. Something inside of you needs to rise up and say, you know what? I have a destiny in Christ. I have a purpose in Christ. You know, too many Christians, we flirt with destiny. And the blessing of God, we flirt with it. Oh, we know it's there. It's very nice. We pray for it. But then we never come to the realization or the conviction in our hearts that it's ours. That it's mine in Christ. That I have a destiny in Christ. That I have the blessing of God in Christ. That I can expect God for more. That God can actually turn things around in my life. Typically, the enemy would like to keep you there in condemnation saying you don't deserve it. Listen, he didn't deserve it. And he got way more <laughs> than what he expected. Way more. In fact, this is a good, you know, this is a good, there's a good correlation between this scripture and the Elisha and the widow. How many of you know the Elisha and the widow story where she didn't have anything? She needed a turnaround. Okay? And her house was empty. She was broke. She was about to sell her sons into slavery. It was just horrible. And so the man of God came and said, get jars. And take the little that jar of oil that you have and pour it into them and it will never run out. All right? The jars filled up to the amount of jars that she could she get or the amount of jars she could imagine it filling up to. <laughs> he imagined going back as a servant. And he got way more. God can do way more than what you can hope, dream, or imagine when you understand he's your father, that he's merciful, doesn't matter what you've done in your past, he's more concerned about your future. <laughs> he can turn it around way more than you can imagine. But you have to come to your senses. You have to say, something inside of you has to rise up and say, I'm not going to stay here. Where, whatever here is, this is, this, is not, this is not it. This is not it. I'm going for more. Nudge somebody and say, I'm going for more. So come to your senses. The, the next point, I've kind of I've preached this, so I'll just give you my last one here. In, in 2 Chronicles 20, in verse 22, and I'm going to finish with this. Um, we, we, this, is, this, is, this is another situation where Israel was about to be defeated. I mean, it was bad. Armies were uniting against them. They were certain to be slaughtered. I'm talking like, you know, this is like, this is like chiefs facing pirates, you know. I'm just <laughs> Listen, <laughs> just chill. Stay, stay with me. <laughs> it's a hopeless situation, okay? <laughs> Jesus, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's hopeless. And, and God gives them a word and says, I'm going to turn it around. I'm going to turn it around. And they get the worship team together. They send the worship team out in front of the army. And look at this. This is the scripture. It says, when, can you read it? When they began to sing and to praise the Lord set ambushes against the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah, and they were defeated. In fact, they spent three days picking up the spoil from those armies. Those armies united to destroy Israel. God turned those armies against each other. They all killed each other. For some reason, they all marched into battle with jewelry and all the expensive items. They were like, oh, we're going into battle. Let's put my gold watch on. Let's, they, they chose their best stuff. 
And man looks at that and says, that's confidence. And God says, I'm setting them up. <laughs> See, the enemy boasts, people. He comes with his gold watch. He comes with whatever. He comes with, I got you. And God says, no, I've just set you up. <laughs> You're about to be swallowed by the Red Sea. You're about to be destroyed, and all that you have was then plundered by Israel. Three days just picking up the jewelry that was on these guys. Talk about a turnaround. Turn around. Facing defeat, and God turned around. But the key, I want you to know, is when they began to, when they began to sing. I have spoken to so many people who are in situations like where they need a turnaround. And they say things, and then they experience God turning around. And they say this. They say, when I started to pray, God turned it around. When I went on that fast, God turned it around. When I started taking communion every day and praying with my wife, when I woke up an hour earlier, when I began to study the word, when I joined a church, when I started tithing, when I started memorizing scripture, when I started writing out the promises of God and declaring them over my life, when I started weekly accountability and prayer, when I picked up the phone and built a friendship and started meeting with someone one-on-one, my situation turned around. You've got to look for the levers. You know, spiritual disciplines, sometimes we just look at them as, oh, we must do these things. You know, I must sing, I must praise, I must, give, I must read my Bible, I must fast, I must do communion, I must do, I must do, I must do, I must do, I must do. There's no must-dos in these things, people. They are weapons, they are tools to turn our lives around. That's why they're there. <laughs> they're there to turn circumstances around. And so what you need to do where you're at is you need to look for the, the unction of the Holy Spirit. What, Lord, what do I need to do? Do I need to start singing? Do I need to start praying? Do I need to start fasting? Do I need to start connecting? You know, while I was preparing this message yesterday, just tapping away, I get a message from someone who used to be in this church, is now living in another city, and they're like, please pray for me. I'm like, okay, what's up? And then we had a godly WhatsApp conversation that probably lasted about 15 messages. Okay, just 15 messages. Their life was completely turned around. They were in a situation, by the time I clicked send on the last one, everything had changed for them. <laughs> so when they sent that SMS... I'm not saying I was anything for that. It was a God moment where they didn't know what decision and there was wisdom that just came in and just like turned their situation around. Wisdom of God. That's what he does. You know, sometimes you can just sit with Spiwe and you can, you can just say, I've got this. And, it, and the wisdom of God can come and turn your circumstance around. One phone call, one conversation, one message, one prayer, one time where you got up one fast that you initiate well, i don't know you know sometimes it's suddenly okay sometimes it's slowly you know like a car sometimes you're driving down the highway you can do a handbrake turn back in the day you know <laughs> you can do a handbrake turn you can turn suddenly sometimes you you lift that lever sometimes you can lift that prey you can lift that thing and immediately god can just you can just flip it. You, you can see in your mind, you don't know how to do it. And just whoo, in a moment, he turns it around. Sometimes it's slowly. Sometimes you've got to, you've got to you, it's like a, like a, what do they call it? A seven point turn, 10 point turn, 100 point turn. Some of, some of you know, some of you all, uh, supposed to be a three point turn, okay? Some of you all are like on turn 99, you know? <laughs> like, <laughs> like this, you know? <laughs> And uh, sometimes it can be like this. You know, sometimes it can be just consistently praying, consistently doing this. But God is actually all the time. And then one day you wake up and you don't know when it happened, but there's a new future in front of you. There's a new circumstance in front of you. Amen. Come, let's, I'm done. I'm done. I just, uh, I just want to read a scripture over you this morning. Um... um if, if you need to turn around, just, just put your hands out to the Lord. 
This is an important day, very, very important day. Celebrating reconciliation, celebrating the God who turns things around, who turned our nation around, turns lives around. He can turn your circumstances around. I want to read something over you this morning. Thus says the Lord God, on this day, I cleanse you from all your inequities. I enable you to enter into the promises. The ruins that you see now shall be rebuilt. The desolate land that you look around and see will be tilled instead of lying desolate. And so they will say, this land that was desolate has become like the Garden of Eden. And the wasted, desolate, and ruined parts of your life are now fortified and inhabited. Then the nations which are left around you shall know that I, the Lord, have rebuilt the ruined places and planted what was desolate. I, the Lord, have spoken it, and I will do it. Father, I pray right now for faith to rise in your people, to grasp your word, your promises, their prophetic destiny and future, to be filled with your spirit right now, filled with victory, filled with hope, filled with strength that comes from heaven, filled with peace, that you are the turnaround God, and you can turn this around. Amen.